Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We know we got to be in a certain place at a certain time within the rhythm and timing of the play. Um, That's our job. It's the quarterback's job to get the ball out and put it in those spots. That was a product of Matthew being a really good football player, getting the ball early, being able to anticipate the spot, being able to put you know a good trajectory on it to let me run in there when he knows that he's getting that ball out a little early. Uh, it was just a very, very impressive play by him. And then I just had to be in the spot and catch the ball. I just trusted, you know, trusted Cooper to get to a spot. Was able to put it in there, and uh, you know he made a great catch and then scored with it. He is truly one of the most humble, special players I've ever been around, and um, you know he doesn't need all the accolades. I mean, I think it's great he gets his first Pro Bowl recognition. Um, I don't know how he's not going to be a first-team All-Pro player. I think he's a legitimate candidate for a lot of awards, but he is about our team. It's a Wednesday edition of PFT Live for the first time since. Someday last year. I don't know what that was. Looks like a drive chart or pass <laughs> chart. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. They, see, I think they're trying to get us to not. I think that, that they call that a tease and or an effort to get us to not talk about other crap for 10 minutes because we got a lot to do today. Okay, we don't, fine. We, we don't have enough time to talk about whatever Christmas cookies or Christmas things or so anyway let's talk about christmas we're three days away from christmas is your shopping done christopher i mean for christmas not i mean yes but it's not like i have a burden of shopping on my shoulders or anything i mean that's where my my beautiful awesome wife is is she takes care of all that she really does so all i really gotta do is i don't have to do anything i mean it's one of those years actually where i think my wife has taken care of herself so well over the last five to six weeks that she said don't buy me anything i've bought myself plenty of good things lately so i don't know what i'm gonna do i need to i need to figure that out it might be a trick a trap (laughs) i think that's a trap that's a trap (laughs) yeah right that's a test (laughs) that is a test i don't want anything right that is the test because if you Take that bait, sir. You're going to have a long Christmas day. Uh, yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Here's the question, though, right. that I'm very curious about, and this just kind of popped into my mind. Do you bake Christmas cookies, or do you eat the kind of Christmas cookies that get you baked? Uh, That's no. really the question. For yeah, me. no, I, I, no, you're close. You're close. We've got to change a few <laughs> things around. I get baked, and then I eat baked cookies that somebody else made that's that's for sure uh but uh, man so I can't first wait. it's baked and then eat the baked goods exactly uh, exactly work up an appetite that, that smell in the house when the cookies or right? whatever kind of cookies they are yeah. just, there's just something magical about the few days that we are on the cusp of 23 24 25 some no of it doubt. spills into 26 although we're working on the 26 not that we work don't tell anybody we don't really work <laughs> If NBC finds out about it, they'll try not to pay us. We enjoy watching football and talking about football. So we get to chase Christmas Day with a full with day, a full day of, of very impactful 
football games. Yeah. So if you do get baked, Chris, make sure you're baked early enough that it doesn't affect, affect your ability my, to focus. I know. Yeah. It's all the football. Playoff caliber games on Christmas Day this year. I mean, really, it really is. I mean, we got two great matchups. That that's amazing. Let alone Sunday. Well, I know we're working, but yeah, Saturday, Saturday should be really a, a great treat that we usually don't get on Christmas Day. I had forgotten about the Saturday yeah, doubleheader. How right, could I forget? Right. We've got the Browns at the Packers, and then the Colts at the Cardinals. I know a game that you know. I, that's one of those when the schedule comes out, you look at it. In in May this year it was in May and you're like nah, nah, nah. yeah right now whoa whoa yeah. whoa, whoa. Right. that's a hell of a game yes it is it really is I mean hey we saw the Rams last night they're they're breathing down the necks of the Arizona Cardinals certainly Cardinals are stumbling you know and this is what we all kind of I think thought would happen with the Cardinals at some point a little bit like last year when will it fall off and they kept kind of hanging on top and you know being the team to beat but yeah. Have to play the Colts, who are hot, and the you know, team that I think really does believe that it's a true playoff contender and can make a mess if they get in there. It's going to be good. Rodgers and the Browns and all that. Come on, it doesn't get any better. The loss to the Cardinals, I think, adjusted the narrative from are they sufficiently mature and experienced and focused, yeah, to win in the postseason? To can they just finish the job? Can they finish the job I they've worked so, so yeah. hard? Right. 10 out of 12 games they won. Now they've lost two in a row. 10 and four, right along with the Rams, who after three straight losses have three straight wins. And here they are. And that was the more exciting game last night. So we'll begin with that one. The LA Rams pulling off the victory over the Seattle Seahawks. 20 to 10, I believe, was the final score. Was it 20 to 10? Is it yeah, in here? I think it 10, was 20 uh, to 10. Yeah, you're 20 right. to 10. You're right. And it felt, it felt for a while like the Seahawks were going to – a combination of slow down the Rams' yeah. offense and do enough with their own offense that they could steal this one. And this was the last stand for the Seahawks. So I they, they, they had some fight, but it petered out in the third quarter. And, you know, I expected the fight to last a little bit longer from Seattle, and it just didn't. And they're done now. They're done. We're yeah, going to talk plenty done. about the Rams. Yeah, but it's time to put a fork in the Seahawks. No, I, th I think that officially does it. I mean, again, it's the same same issues. You know, again, yeah, you respect them because they always play hard. You know, again, they hung in there last last night, going into halftime three to three, were severely outplayed in the first half of the football game. I mean, the Rams dominated the first half. They really did. And, and, and the fact that it was three to three, hey, it was that typical Seattle, like, oh my gosh, can they get a first down? Can they do anything on the offensive side of the ball? And then, okay, hey, it's two minute drill time, and they put a drive together and go down and kick a field goal to tie the game up. But it was ugly. It's ugly on Seattle's, you know, uh, from their standpoint. Their offense is the same issues we always talk about. You know, what is there to really talk about? You know, the offense never seems like it has any rhythm in the pass game at all. Yeah, running back Rashad Penny was a you know a nice thing running the ball out of the backfield, but it was still the same old issues as far as not being able to get some of their stars you know the football, and then that that's just yeah stick a fork in them they're done. Well, and and after the great game that Penny had, it, we saw so much more DJ Dallas last night. Yeah, you're Rashad right. We Penny, did. I thought yeah. they were going to ride Rashad right. Penny, and it was Rashad Penny early, and then DJ Dallas late. And and Chris, I, you know, I, I know we, we got we got to praise the Rams at some point, and we will. But and and I hope it's Russell Wilson's finger. He's never going to admit that there's something wrong with his finger. But there were three key moments last night where it was a third and four, it was a third and fourteen, and it was a fourth and six. And he underthrew guys. Yeah, he, definitely. Th th it was the third and four play. D. Eskridge, and he gave him the go, and right. we, we know that Russell Wilson throws the prettiest deep ball in the game. The problem is he underthrew Eskridge. Underthrew that and, big and time, And Eskridge yeah. had a shot at it, but he right. underthrew it. Right. Then a third and third and 14. Um, is that the D.K. Metcalf one? Underthrew D.K. Metcalf. That was egregiously underthrown. underthrown. Yeah, I mean, he's underthrew gone. Him. Yes. And then the fourth down play that sparked a controversy over whether or not there was pass interference because yeah. nothing triggers pass interference like an underthrown ball. He had DJ Dallas and he underthrew him. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that it should have been pass interference. And Seahawks fans are pissed off about that today. But if you don't underthrow that, that wasn't a deliberate underthrow situation. That was just a flat out underthrow a guy who was open 
if you drop it in on this key fourth down play with 325 left in the game. He just underthrew him. No, uh, and and no look, doubt. Seahawks fans, Seahawks fans, you, you're not you're still not going to win the game. I, I'm sorry. I mean, it's not like he got hosed out of a victory here. This isn't last play of the game when you're down three points and the guy's running into the end zone. It still was not going to work out, I don't think. But but it's not an issue if the ball's put where it was supposed to be. So that's why I say I hope it's the finger. Because if it's the finger, he's got an excuse, a legitimate excuse, not the, oh, a nice excuse. So uh, it, it really has me wondering. The combination of those throws, Chris, and just watching him move, there's something about the way he moves now that is different from the way he used to move. It's not as he good. Doesn't have that yeah. sudden, he doesn't have that sudden – he doesn't have that sudden burst. Here's the second underthrow we talked about earlier. He's right. got him. He, what is this? That's not the Russell Wilson that we know. He has DK Metcalf. Metcalf blows past Jalen Ramsey and is gone and has to stop, pitch a tent, cook dinner, and wait for the ball to arrive. That is not Russell Wilson. No. So, again, I hope it's the finger because between that and the fact that that he does not explode away from pressure like he used to. He gets swallowed up like every other pocket passer. I mean, he has become, and I don't think this was deliberate. With Steve McNair and Steve Young, it was deliberate. Later in the career, we can't have guys running. They can't run like they used to. you got to make them into a pocket passer if they're going to survive. Russell Wilson has inadvertently become a pocket passer because that's the only way he's going to be successful. And if he can't, hit the guys that are open if he can't throw the deep ball and if he's going to underthrow it consistently. And again, I hope it's the finger. He's not the guy that he was. He, he, he's, he's getting, he, it, it, you know, a year ago, you could say There's there signs. were maybe some other younger quarterbacks passing yeah, him. Right. And he was, he was flatlined. Right. Now we're starting to see this. And, and I hope it's because of the finger, because if it's because of the finger, there's hope that next year he'll be back up. Yeah, I, uh, hopefully it is the finger. You know, again, you, you do as a quarterback, you have a finger issue, certainly that's going to affect your throwing. Anytime you go on a long hiatus of, like, not being able to throw, you can get out of a rhythm as a quarterback and, like, be like, oh, man, I'm getting completions, but it doesn't feel right. I mean, there is that aspect, Mike. I've been there. I know other quarterbacks have been there where, you know, you go through a game and the guy – Throws for 55%, but you go, oh, man, I mean, it just never felt clean coming out of my hand. Yeah, he's never seemed to kind of re-catch that, you know, maybe fire or, or that momentum he had early in the year. We've seen that from Dak Prescott, too, after his injury. So I got to think there's a little bit of that along with the finger, Mike, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, you know, the movement stuff. This is something I've been saying on my podcast really for about the last year. Uh, but early in the year, I said some of this stuff as well. Yeah, he's not the magic man he once was as far as, you know, being able to escape, make people miss, you know, explode up the middle of the pocket and rip off a 25, 30 yard run. That's those, those have been few and far, you know, or what is that few and far between? The last two years, you have not seen that element of Russell Wilson. I mean, whether it's Von Miller or Aaron Donald, I mean, again, I don't want to say it's your normal everyday pocket passer, but yet they had no problem swallowing him up yesterday, like you said, when he did want to move or make make something happen. You know, add and that. Maybe maybe yeah, he's trying, Chris. Maybe yeah. he's trying. Maybe he's trying. Maybe he's heard the voices. And this gets back to the quality of the coaching he's had for 10 years now. We made this there's point issues. a few weeks ago. You know, when, when you get into your 30s is the point where there's an intersection of your lingering physical skills, which linger longer than ever before for quarterbacks because of the inherent protections they have. And we're just seeing guys thrive deeper into their 30s than we ever have. You've got your physical skills and you've got the combination of all the things you've learned, all the stuff you've seen, all the situations you've been in that allow you to become coach on the field who can get it done. And this is the window that Russell Wilson should be in. And he's not hitting that higher level. And I don't know whether he's deliberately trying to force himself to become that pocket passer or he just knows between the combination of not wanting to get himself injured when he runs and I just can't do it like I used to, so I'm not even going to try. I think there's a self-awareness to what he's doing now. I I think there's more of that. I do. I think it's more the fact that – he, he understands he's not going to be able to make the magic with his legs that he once could, and he's going to try to yeah stay in the pocket and make throws that way. Now, you know, again, you're right. We bring up, we bring up this point, you know, quite often when we talk about it. You know, he's been in an offense that hasn't lent itself to him being on the, you know, mental level maybe that we've seen other great quarterbacks at his age kind of reach. There, there, there's no question. You know, it's been basic. It's always been about – 
you know, we're going to run the ball and, you know, we'll take a shot when we play one-on-one and we're going to play defense and, hey, don't turn the ball over, which has affected him now because really the other thing you'll see about Russell Wilson is, you know, throwing the ball down the middle of the field is not one of his fortes either. He's a little smaller. He doesn't trust it when he's in the pocket. So he doesn't like to really let it rip down that part of the football field a whole lot. It's always looking for something safe outside the numbers. And because, hey, like you said, his whole career has been, hey, don't turn it over. We've got a great defense. We gotta, Don't turn it over. We've got a great defense. He's never had just the green light to understand all the offense and checks and, oh, let's let it fly and do all of that stuff. That's never been a part of it. So it's, it's like the old phrase, Mike, I, you, you know, you've heard me say, he doesn't know what he doesn't even know. You know, if he went with McVay in L.A. or Shanahan with the 49ers and McDaniels or Lafleur or, or or down with Bruce Arians or any of those, he'd go. He'd learn football and go. Oh my gosh, I, I didn't know that's how they taught those plays or that's what they were reading or oh that's why they checked to that every time that defense played that. No, I think there's like a a loss of that in Russell Wilson's kind of development because of the style of football that Seattle's played all these years. Or the place where I think he should want to go if he still wants out. You know, there's there's a chance that, and I don't think this is the way it's going to go, but because he didn't have a good year, there's one way that this could go where he decides, I'm going to give it one more year in Seattle and try to try to kind of rebuild things a little bit, have a healthy season, have better performance. Or he could say, the clock continues to tick louder and louder and louder I've only got so many more opportunities left to build my legacy he wants to be iconic he said that earlier this year he wants to be legendary I think the Saints become his preferred destination by far because Sean Payton can do with him what he did with Drew Brees yeah and Russell Wilson is arriving later yeah than Brees did but I think that 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 unlocks the ability, say you know, similar size, and, and not not a guy that's going to be running the ball all over the place. A guy who's going to be shifting and moving around in the pocket, no. looking for throwing lanes, not throwing a lot of stuff over the middle, making the operating the offense underneath, but also the ability to crank it deep. Assuming yeah. it is the finger, right. and the ability to crank it deep yeah. comes back. Yeah. So I, I I think that that's to me. Because we, we, you know, we we had some fun earlier this year by saying send him to Cleveland and he'd be an upgrade over Baker Mayfield. But right now, I I feel like he needs to go to a place where he's going to get a PhD in offense. And he's been he's been kind of sputtering around with a GED in Seattle for the past decade. It's time for him to accelerate his learning if he truly wants to be as effective as he intends to be and yeah. hopes to be deep into his thirties. No, I mean something's got to change. I mean, again, you know, I, I know we've heard a lot of things. He's used a lot of language, like you said, iconic. I know too many people around the situation to know that. Yeah, you know, again, going back to off season, it wants he wants it to be about him. He wants to let it fly and be in that you know, Kansas City, Josh Allen type offense the last few years that we've seen where everything goes through the quarterback and their talents. Yeah, it's not going to happen in Seattle. Not with this current regime there. I mean, plain and simple. Again, Russell Wilson's missing throws. We know that. There's no doubt. But again, look at the throws we're missing too sometimes. That's the other thing too. It's always, hey, a guy's running straight again, Mike. I always make fun of Seattle. Hey, you run straight, you run straight, and you run straight down the middle. It's a good play. Oh, yeah, okay, great. Hey, coach, because nobody else has seen us do that, right? Yeah, this is the fifth time this game. There's lack of imagination there too, you know. All of that again. We get into halftime. It's three to three. DK Metcalf's barely touched the football. They're running the ball into a pile of defenders every time. It's just I, I don't know how he could take it. I, I understand him wanting out or a regime change at this point. I do. Yeah, the clock is ticking, like you said, and you know, again, that was another game last night where. You know, it's just, it's like, let's just keep it close so Russell can make magic late in the football game. And I know he missed some opportunities, but man, the way they play doesn't lend itself to him ever getting in a rhythm or really, you know, feeling good about throwing the football, you know, because it's just so spotty the way they call their offensive plays. And that's where it's tough for him. That's where I have a hard time thinking he stays there and it stays the same. No way. Stays there and things change. Okay. Okay. Or he leaves and goes somewhere new, like you said, and gets that PhD. 
Tyler Lockett wasn't available last night because of COVID. One of the ironies of a two-day delay that makes Can it you harder that? for the team that right. that that wanted to go and was yeah, ready to that go. Was healthy. And, and the Seahawks have traditionally been okay when it comes to they it's been incredible. It it's caused some people to be suspicious about what's going on with the testing in Seattle that there's so few cases. But and, and there there's no evidence to back that up. It's just like how in the hell are they doing this when everybody else is struggling with right. it? DK Metcalf ended up with twelve targets, six catches for fifty two yards. You need a better than fifty percent right. rate, I right. think. You know? Uh but it's good that he got twelve targets. Yeah. Um but but uh, you got you got to connect more often than that. And again, run straight. And he ran by Jalen Ramsey. But Russell Wilson he did not no get doubt. it to him. No and, doubt. And you know, Chris, you mentioned one last point. And then we got to we got to give the Rams some praise because they, they deserve it after what they did last night. You mentioned, and we talk about this from time to time, the offense running through Wilson like it does with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Yeah. Those guys both have the wheels. I know to to, to, right. to make it the full experience, right? So I I really do think New Orleans is the only place where Russell Wilson is going to get to where he needs to be as a legend and an icon. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. That's the place where he's going to have the best chance because you plug him into that offense, and here we go. And uh, I I think that that uh, you know maybe Sean Payton's just kind of quietly rubbing his hands together thing in that uh, I'm not going to have to give up three first round picks to get him now they may have to work some salary cap magic but Mickey Loomis always seems to find a way to do it yeah but 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 that's that's the team you got on your radar that's, that's the, team the one that makes in. the most sense to me they're in the league that's the where Russell yeah R- R- Russell Wilson and Drew Brees need to have a conversation and I think at the end of the conversation Russell Wilson will know I think that's the place where I unlock the next level of my career as a passer and I can operate that offense, and I can have the kind of success that I want to have, and I can have a shot at getting to another Super Bowl. Hell, forget about getting to a Super Bowl. I can get to a conference championship game. Yeah, Hasn't been there right. since 2014, right. so I can't see him wanting to stick around. He wanted out after a 12-4 and four season. Yeah. Do you think he's going to want to stay after what at best is going to be 8-9? and nine? I don't think so. I don't All think right, so either. Hey, wait, wait, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, go I was, well, was going to say, listen, because I know we're going to talk about the Rams. But I will say this in defense of all the Seahawks fans out there. I do believe the two calls they got at the end of the game, I mean, that was that was rough. That was rough. And, I mean, of course the play we showed to DJ Dallas, I mean, you, you made the point. The point is, again, it was a poorly thrown football. It should have been another 10 yards out there, and it would have been an easy completion. And you leave it to the refs in that situation. Like we know, all of a sudden the game gets rough differently the whole game. You know, that call right there, and then the call that extended, I believe it was a third and 12 on the drive where the Rams went up 17 to 0, or 17 to 10, excuse me. They, they called a pass interference. Here it is. Way to go, guys. They called holding on 36 on the bottom with a release there, where, again, I, you know, I just, I don't agree with that call. I don't. They called this right here, Mike. I mean, this is swimming. He pushes them. That wasn't holding. I mean, Cooper Cup was off balance. He kind of pushes him as he goes by. That was not defensive holding. That looked like someone saw him stumble out of the corner of his eye and then threw a flag, and that extended the drive and let the Rams go score. So I will say that in defense of the Seahawks. They did get the raw deal with two bad calls there in the in the fourth quarter. And the touchdown as a result of that drive where they were backed up deep in their own end, right. fourth and 12. All right. The Rams don't have to worry about going 8-9. and nine. They've gotten their 10th win Fourth time in five years, the Rams have won 10 years under Sean McVay. They have come a long way from 7-9 and nine under their prior head coach. I, I, I know the 7-9 and nine joke is stale, but it's appropriate. 7-9, and 8-8, eight that's where they were. Now they are a team that is in it pretty much every year, yep. and they are definitely back in it now. Cooper Cup, the story of the night offensively. Nine catches for 136 yards and a touchdown. I did some math earlier. That gives him... 122 catches for 1,625 yards and 14 touchdowns on the year. That is 8.7 catches per game, 116 yards per game. Chris, he is on pace for 148.14 catches. So 149 is the record set by Michael Thomas two years ago. And 1,973 
receiving yards. That would break the record set by, oh, they already did the math for me. 1973 would break Calvin Johnson's record from nine years ago. 148 would get him one shot, Michael Thomas. But as we've said, as they get closer and closer and closer, look for a concerted effort. Greatest show-offs on turf. No I doubt. got no problem with it. Yeah. Go grab that brass ring. Make history. Right. Make, make it happen. Uh, get him some MVP votes. It's amazing what he's done. Yeah. The idea that he could have both of those records the same year. Now, now, you know what we're going to hear. Well, 17 games. And he's right. 17 games. I get it. It's it, but, but you know what? It's not like we're going back to 16. So somebody's going to break the records at some point exactly based right. on 17 games. And then they're going to be broken again based on 18. So, so deal with it. I, I remember, and, and I know the world was different back then, I remember no one ever saying a word about the records that were broken based on a 16-game season Right, Dan, when the season yeah, expanded right, from right. 14. The, yeah, Nobody exactly. ever said, right. Jack, what about it? Because this is our new reality. Yeah. So, yes, the record books are going to be rewritten. Right. And here comes Cooper Cup potentially rewriting two of the all-time records in the first game or the first year, excuse me, with an extra game. And uh, if he does it, it's incredible. The fact that he can get both is incredible. Yeah, no doubt. And it's not like this is like the Babe Ruth sacred home run record where like the whole world's up in arms because the Major League Baseball is going from 154 games to 162 games. Yes. I well, mean, and then and then there's the steroids too. But well, well, there's all that. You're right, but I, but yes, this isn't like it's like a, it, it's like the greatest achievement in sports hi- or football history. But I mean. What more can you say about the damn guy? I mean, it, it's unbelievable. It really is. It's more. It's amazing. Again, how we talk about it every week. You know, there's a handful of guys, him, Devonte Adams, Debo Samuel, where I just feel like, hey, they're offensive coordinators. They just know how to get them the ball or put them in the position where they're the first read more times than not. And then there's just no, there's no physical weakness to his game. You know, that's the other thing. You know, again, like. Big guy, bigger than people realize, incredibly quick, smart as hell. And, you know, again, people, I think, disrespect his speed. I, I Not the fastest guy. That's what I always hear, like, on pregame shows. He's not the fastest guy. I Listen, I, I know he ran 4-6 at the Combine, but how many times does he have to run for a 50-yard touchdown or a 60-yard touchdown before well, we well, say he's hey, fast? I Jerry mean, Rice he ran a 4-5-8. That's what I mean. Jerry Rice ran a 4-5-8. On the field, he's running, four, he's running fast enough, four fast enough. I know that's it. And you look at this, Mike. <laughs> look at this. Like, you talk about, like, there's DK Metcalf, run straight, right? Uh, run straight. Oh, there's a reverse they gave him. Look at that tricky stuff they got. And then look at Cooper Cup just all over the field. I mean, doing everything. It really is amazing, and he is amazing, and uh, he's he's in that conversation for Offensive Player of the Year. There's no doubt about that. But put, put that back up. I'm, I'm going to make a reference here that is going to cause them to play the piano in the back. That looks like, on the right, a guy who's really good at the old game Missile Command, and on the left, a guy who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And uh, I don't know if you know the game Missile Command, but I go ahead like and play I the piano. Know. I might know it. But Missile command. It's, it's an old. It's an old Atari game. The 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 nuclear missiles were hitting the cities, and you had to protect them with interceptors that would blow up the nuclear bombs before they wiped out your cities. Wasn't that a a happy theme for a video game back in the eighties? But that great. was the cloud under which we. That was the cloud under which we lived. I mean, I grew up under that cloud. It was you just accepted the fact that any day it could be time to duck and cover and kiss your ass goodbye. All right. Um, but but the, look, the Rams with Cup, they, they've they've responded and adjusted to the absence of Robert Woods. I think that's that's the one piece of this narrative that gets forgotten. It took them some time to adjust to know Robert Woods. It took them some time to adjust to the presence of Von Miller, and they're hitting their stride with three straight wins. You know, we looked at the Jacksonville game, thinking, "Oh, come on, who isn't going to beat Jacksonville at this point?" But to beat the Cardinals and the Seahawks back to back, that's impressive. And now they go to Minnesota and they try to run it the four straight against a Vikings team that is going to be pretty desperate. That That is a sneaky great game this Sunday because I can see the Vikings keeping it close and blowing it on the final play of the game, but but at least making the Rams work for it. It's not like the Rams are going to show up and win 34-3. Watch, the final score is now going to be 34-3. But, but, but I, I could see the Rams getting their win, 
but they're going to have to bust their butts to get it. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, we know, we know that the Vikings are a pain in the butt, certainly, and especially with that running game and Dalvin Cook. It's going to be interesting to see, yeah, if the Rams can slow that down. Hey, Rams, I give them a lot of credit, right? I mean, you know, again, we can't forget the aspect of they didn't get to really practice the whole week. I mean, they had a lot of guys who just they just became available the day before the game or the day of the game. And again, it wasn't pretty last night. It wasn't. And, you know, they let the Seahawks hang around far too long. And again, that's, you know, the Rams, they've righted the ship. But if they righted the ship to the point where you just go, ooh, it's it's polished and it looks like it's Super Bowl ready again, I don't know if I feel that way. I know they're going to get to the playoffs. I know they're going to be a pain in the butt. But I don't get the same feeling that, you know, they're they're hitting on all cylinders quite yet. I still don't think we've seen the Rams' best football. I don't know if that comes or not. I really don't. But... You know, again, last night, 3 nothing. have a chance. You're driving down. You're dominating the football game. Matthew Stafford throws a stupid, bad interception. Ugly. I mean, Horrible. bad. Right. And, you know, that's where one of those where you just go, man, just you're dominating the football game. Any points are going to be good here. Just why take the chance? You're not on the Lions anymore. You know, th- those are the things that worry me about the Rams a little bit. They do. You know, but either way, it was a good win, and I'm not going to take that away from them. And they played a Seattle team, like you said, that was desperate, and that was it. They're gone. They're done forever, for this year at least. But I didn't look at the Rams and go, oh, wow, they played a really good, clean football game you know, and dominated the way they should at least. It was, it was choppy on both sides of the ball. And you, know, and you make a great point, though, as it relates to Stafford. He's never played in games that it's had— It's got to adjust here, yeah high stakes right. late in the year. Right. He he he's never played a game beyond the wild card round in his entire career. And yeah, and, and see that Quandre Diggs shows up. It's like even if Diggs doesn't, it's there's nobody the ball there. Was still 10, you know, these, 15 yards underthrown. Right. He missed yeah. this totally. I mean you're right. This ball should be in the back of the end zone. Or like five yards deep in the end zone, back shoulder laser type of throw. I don't know what he did there. But, yeah, Mike, you know how we talked about like with Russell Wilson and he was wired a certain way as a young guy? Hey, Matthew Stafford, they're still trying to rewire that robot. You know, he had to play a game where it was loose and free or they had no chance of winning in Detroit. So, like, he's almost like the opposite of Russell Wilson. He was given the green light because they're like, we can't win unless you just start throwing lasers and sidearm bombs and everything all over the field. Yeah, we know you might throw an interception or two. So what? Just keep swinging and throwing that football. He's, he's I think, still in the process of learning, like, oh, wait, I, I don't have to play that way anymore. You know, McVay knows how to manage a game. I got a good team around me. I don't need to do that. You know, and, of course, he was better the last two weeks before this in the Arizona and the Jacksonville game. But we saw that, you know, turnover bug creep in in that three-game losing streak. And uh, hopefully uh, it doesn't rear its ugly head again here down the stretch. But it's something I worry about a little bit with Stafford and the Rams. And and here's where I tie it together. Because yeah. you talked about rewiring the robot, yeah. reprogramming the computer. When we say that, the knee-jerk reaction, because it happened to me, well, Russell Wilson's got a little more time, so that's good if it happens now. You know what? They're the same age. Isn't that crazy? Matthew Stafford right. and Russell Wilson are the same freaking age. They're both 33. Now, Stafford was born in February, and Wilson was born in late November, but they're both 33. Stafford showed up in 2009. Wilson didn't arrive in the NFL until three years later. That's why we view him as younger. Yeah, right. But as it relates to biology— the clock is ticking as loudly for him as it is for Stafford, and now's the time for him to make the move. You know, if Pete Carroll were to be fired, would that do enough to keep Russell Wilson around? See, the, the, the reality is, and I'm not trying to get Pete Carroll fired. I'm just throwing out this hypothetical. The reality is the dust would settle on the coaching search before you get to the point where you make your power play to get out. You'll know by late January who the coach is and how you feel about it, and that's about the time that you'd start rattling the cage to set up a trade to go to New Orleans or wherever you want to go. So I I think it's a multi-step process. Maybe they have a chance to keep him if they would hire a coach that – that he would say, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board yeah, great, with right, that coach right. becoming the new coach of the Seattle Seahawks, and uh, so I'll stay. And it could be the Joe. We don't know what Jody Allen's going to do. We didn't know anything about what she was going to do until a few weeks ago when they hit the low water mark, and there was a report that she's involved and she's fed up and she's ready to make some changes. Well, a couple of wins put that on ice. 
Now let's put it back on the front burner because that's going to be the the topic for the Seahawks the rest of the season. Because I think even if they're on the table, uh, unless there's all sorts of weird stuff happening, I don't think eight and nine's getting them in. No, and I think it's time to start thinking imagine. about next year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I can't imagine. It, it, to me, it, it's, it's over. Uh, I, I don't expect them to see them see them in the playoffs. We don't. And the way the 49ers are playing right now, too. I mean, we know the top six seeds. I think are pretty much sewn up. Uh, we don't know what order they're going to be in. It's just about that one spot at the, at the number seven seed. And Seattle, of course, is going to lose a lot of tiebreakers to some of those teams too. So they're in they're in like no man's land. I don't imagine it. I don't. You know. Now, hey, the big question with the game last night is just where do the Rams go from here? Do they win the division? Do they catch the Cardinals? You know, how dangerous are they? At least we saw the stars show up from the Rams once again last night. Von Miller, you know, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Ramsey on defense. They were good. Offensively, hey, OBJ, there was nothing other than the run game and, and Cooper Cup. You know, and that's, again, I think the other thing just to continue to watch for is, you know, who is going to be that next guy that they have a niche for to get the ball to consistently like Robert Woods did. You know, I think Odell's still in the process of learning the offense, and he probably wasn't totally healthy just coming off of COVID. I don't know. Didn't seem like he was in the game a ton last night. But, you know, they can't just think they're going to go to the Super Bowl or even get to the NFC Championship game if they think it's just going to be, we're going to feed Cooper Cup the ball all game long. Some of these good defenses are going to have guys that can match up against them. And they're good teams with good defenses and good coaches who are going to understand how to take them away too. And, you know, that's another thing I think just to watch for for the Rams. But either way, good win. Uh, I'm not trying to downplay it too much here. I'm just giving some of my concerns. Beckham had one catch for seven yards last night, and you're right, sometimes guys coming off COVID, it takes them a little while to get yeah, back to where right. they need to be. They were careful with Daryl Henderson as well, and Sonny Michelle ended up being the featured guy, and what a trade that ended up yeah, being good in for hindsight him. to have both of those guys right. as a replacement for Cam Akers. Let's pull that graphic up again. I was going to wait to do it, but what the hell, let's do it now because otherwise I'll forget. We did this yesterday. The NFC playoff picture. Give me the seven teams you want in. Yeah. The seven teams you okay. want to see in the playoffs. I want to because I think we agree on the top six. Right. We want the top six in. No doubt. And and you know uh, again, respect to your Vikings and the way they fought. But I don't want that. I want to see the Eagles. I want to see Jalen Hurts. And I know we're going to talk about it in a minute. But it, the Eagles have something elite to me about their football team and it's their run game I mean it's it's arguably if it's not the best running game in football it's one of the top two or three and that to me just going to add intrigue to the matchup of the playoffs and put more pressure on each matchup and less wiggle room so I, right now as I said here I, I want to see the Eagles as a seventh seed yeah let's take a break and when we're what about you who are you on. He goes, well, anybody but the Vikings, because okay. what it'll be is, although <laughs> although I'd give them a chance against the Cowboys as the two seed, that's the biggest surprise on the current NFC playoff picture, right. that somehow the Cowboys, who feel like they're sleepwalking through their games currently, are just piecing together wins and wins, and here they are as the number two seed. The three-way tie now, helps them, right? Because now, if that's, Exactly, yeah, because right. they lost to the Buccaneers. We right. talked about the three-way tie at the top because the Packers hold that edge over the Cardinals, but if it's Packers, Cardinals, Bucks, it's a different analysis. With Cowboys, Bucks, Cardinals, it's a different analysis, and the Cowboys avoid losing the head-to-head tiebreaker with Tampa Bay. At, but, but with three games left, it's all going to change. But Mike McCarthy's thinking about his Cowboys being the number one seed, and I can't rule out anything at this point. That's part of the fun of it. So let's take a break, and we'll focus on the other game that was played last night in Philadelphia, Washington and the Eagles. The Eagles obviously got the victory. What did we like about it, and where does Washington go from here? We'll discuss all that next here on this Wednesday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. 
If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Treat dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's Day with gifts up to 60% off. Was it bet with the outfit, or is this uh, your own choice? Uh, this is my own choice. Uh, Elf is one of my favorite movies. My sister actually gave me the idea to uh, order it and wear it for a game, and uh, it actually just came in today, and I said, I got to. Perfect timing. You know, uh, dude, I think it looks pretty good. Would you have lost? Uh, nah. <laughs> I, I, it probably would have been in the garbage, uh, pretty upset. But, no, I'm glad we won and, you know, makes this whole costume a lot better. You know, it doubles for uh, Halloween as well. You take off the collar and the, <laughs> right. the wrist uh, and it's and you're Shrek. <laughs> Seriously. That's, that's a gutsy move right there. That really is, because that outfit was, uh, yeah, very festive, but it was horrible. It really was. You can't do Elf without the hat. You can't do it without the he, hat. He does need You've the hat. you got to have You're the right. hat. You're right. He looks like he's like back in like the golden age of England with that outfit. I'm not sure if he's trying to like, you know, be at a party with like Queen Elizabeth or if he's really dressed up for Christmas. I'm not sure what he's about to do right there. <laughs> like, yeah, some crazy king or, yeah. Right, like you know what I mean. Like, yeah, and, back yeah, in, like, yeah. the 1600s. He looks like he's getting ready to go to some, like, gathering, you know. Yes. <laughs> All right, the Eagles end up getting the victory last night, 27-17 to over the Washington football team, another game that was delayed because of so many players on Washington who were on the COVID reserve list, and they didn't get many back. Hey, remember the new procedures from last Thursday? We're supposed to get guys back. And I know they were holding out hope they were going to get Taylor Heineke back as of Monday. Yeah. Didn't happen Monday. Didn't happen Tuesday. Garrett Gilbert ends up starting the game. And, you know, last night on PFTPM, I was was having fun like I always do with snarky remarks about that class of backup quarterbacks where you can change their last name and their first name. And it's like, you know, is it Gilbert Garrett? Is it Garrett Gilbert? I don't know. And these guys are just kind of hanging around. But, Chris, I got to respect and admire yeah. the passion, the love, and the dedication that guys like this aren't walking away, even though they could have any number of reasons to just look around and say, this game doesn't want me anymore. They, they, they still stay. And he had his moment last night, and nobody wanted to see him play. Everybody, oh, we don't want this guy. We want Taylor Heineke. We want Kyle Allen. But you know what? He, he, I mean that he should have been caught. Well, yeah, yeah. He had a, he had a, he had a good enough game, and you know he had a moment, and now he's he's going to keep going. He's just a guy who's going to keep going, and he's going to keep going, and he's going to keep going as long as he physically can. Yeah, no, good for him. He, he certainly didn't look like uncomfortable or like the deer a deer in the headlights. He did not. You know what a situation. I mean, you you know barely know the offense. He came in, really made very few poor decisions, threw the ball pretty well. I mean. It was all positive, you know. Again, it, it, they didn't lose the game because of him. That that's certainly not the case. You know, their defense had some turnovers early, got them a little momentum, but ultimately, you know, like we've seen. I mean, the Eagles are they're a better team. They are. They're a better team, and you know, as I I talked about with that last you know comment before we went to the last commercial break. There, I mean, they have something elite about their football team, like truly elite a game-changing element about their team where when you play them, you got to go, wait, we we can't play this defense because they will run up the middle for 30 yards on us if we do that. Wait, we can't play this defense. Or they'll pull Travis Kelsey and a guard and get on the edge and run for a 40-yard run. I mean, they're the hottest running team in football right now. You know, Mike, I know you heard me say their O-line early in the year, it's dominant. And then they figured out how to use it with Jalen Hurts' running ability. It's become special. And, you know, they're going to be a real pain in the butt here down the stretch for whoever they're playing. And they're going to be a pain in the butt if they get in the playoffs because this run game, you know, can eat up clock and, and change the dynamics of a football game against a team that might be better than them. 
Well, yeah, especially if you get ahead. You get right. a lead, right. and you hold that lead, I mean, and you create old. a greater sense of urgency. Yeah. Wait, look, we've, we've watched enough playoff games over the years that when you know that your entire season is hinging on your ability yes. to get the ball right. back and make something happen, right. and you can't stop this run, and right. the clock is ticking, and oh my gosh, and that pit in your stomach is growing, yeah. and when you do get the ball back, you're pressing, yeah. trying to make you're trying to make it, and 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 it all just kind of just it all dissolves. You know, we have a new reality when the playoffs begin. The feeling changes, the vibe changes, and you get up against a team like that that can play good defense and control the clock with a running game. You got a problem. The Eagles have had 175 or more yards rushing in seven straight games. They're the first team to do that since the 1985 Bears. Wow. That's how long it's been. Yeah, I saw and that. And then the game has changed. Right. The game has changed to the point where teams don't try. They've figured out what they do well, and they're doing it. you got to give Nick Sirianni credit. Remember there was a game earlier this year where he got criticized for not giving any handoffs to the running backs the entire game? Yeah. Now, now, now off they go. I mean, they, they are playing to their strengths. That's yes. the key. That's, that's, that's good coaching. I want to give Nick Sirianni praise. You figure out what you have – you figure out what your guys do well. Agreed. And you do those things, and you figure out what they don't do well, and you don't do those things. That's it. Now, the question is, if you come up against a team that can take away your run, yeah. can Jalen Hurts get it done? Right. Hey, we'll worry about that when somebody can take away the run. Because for right. seven straight games, they haven't been able to take away the run. That, that's where we're getting to that point where I go, I don't know, is there a team out there that can take away the run from them? I, I'm not sure there is. That, that's, that's how good they are. That's where it's it's special, and you're right. I mean, Nick Sirianni, he deserves a lot of credit. And I, and I think we were using the phrase early on in the year, they were trying to kind of do that round peg into the square hole thing where it's like, hey, what, we're not, why are we trying to make Jalen Hurts, you know, Phillip Rivers and the Colts last year, or, you know, Sirianni, you know, who before that, you know, came, you know had, had some time in, in the, the Chargers and, and that offense. You know, well, why are we trying to make it Phillip Rivers with the Chargers? What are we doing there? No, Jalen Hurts, he's not that kind of drop-back passer. He's, hey, he can hit you if you're open, but he's amazing at extending plays and then creating a big play down the field with a one-on-one matchup or making a throw of, you know, of that type of quality. And then his movement is special too. So, yeah, they've tied it all together to your point, Mike. That's where it's, it's really amazing. And, I mean, you look at some of these plays and the holes these running backs run through, and then what's happened, Mike, to, to what you're talking about is you, know, you get so worried about stopping the run, you play defenses that are really simple, and you're you're worried about fitting every gap and everything, then it lends itself to these really easy pass looks, and, and Hurts, will t- he'll tear you up with some of those looks. But, you know, again, last night, it's, it's dominant in the run game. It really is, and... I have a hard time thinking if it wasn't for those Washington turnovers early on that Philadelphia wouldn't have run away with this football game altogether. I don't want to take credit away from Washington for hanging around, but I do think it was apparent as the game went on that Philadelphia was you know, in another class as far as last night was concerned and clearly the better football team on the field. They're a team that definitely has gotten better as the year has gone on. That is a sign of growth and maturity, and they're rallying around Jalen Hurts, and they're trying to figure out what they have in him. He came back from the ankle sprain. A couple of extra days in the bye week didn't hurt in that regard. Here's Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts talking about the coaching he's received as they try to make him into the best quarterback he can be. Jalen's dad coached him hard. My dad coached me hard. And so I think Jalen responds to tough coaching. He likes tough coaching. And I wasn't going to back down on him. I thought he was careless with the football. And I let him know that. I've been telling him all year, you know, I'm a coach's kid. And basically all the coaches' kids out there, um, they they know what that means. That means they've been coached. Um, They've heard everything. Um, So, you know, in high school, I lived with the guy that was chewing me out. So, I made it clear to coach all year. I'm like, you know, you can you can get on me a little bit. Um, so after after um, I mean, after, after the fumble, he came up to me, said what he had to say. And then later on in the game, he comes back and jokes with me and says, "I guess I'm gonna just start coaching you like your dad coached." He played a great football game today. One of the best football games I've seen him play. And so what what an unbelievable job by him of what he what did he say? Flush it. Don't look at it. Flush it and then move on. 
Oh boy, yeah, that's a lovely reminder. That that is that is something that Jalen Hurts said earlier this year. I, I I like Jalen Hurts. I I want to see him flourish and develop and become the franchise quarterback that the Eagles have been so desperate to find for years now. And they thought they had one in Carson Wentz, and they didn't. And then they they had one who won a Super Bowl and was the MVP, and, and he's not the guy. And just it's it's crazy how they have just been moving from quarterback to quarterback, but uh, they want to see what they have in Hurts, and you know maybe they have something that they can build around here with Jalen Hurts, almost kind of like what what Baltimore has with Lamar Jackson, where you have a quarterback and a strong run game, and you don't need a guy who sprays it all over the place and has the high end passing talent, just just enough. Just enough, but see, that's going to be again. That's the key. Yep, that's the key. When they do come against some, uh, come up against somebody who right. can take away the run or minimize the run, can Hurts respond with uh, with the throws that he needs to make when he needs to make them? So I, I, I think it's I think it's uh, it's just it's fun to watch and it's unexpected. I like the unexpected as a football season unfolds, and we wouldn't have expected the Eagles to be on the brink of invading the top seven. And I agree with you. We talked about this last segment. I think we'd both rather see the Eagles in that for the, for the purposes of having the best, most compelling, yes. most exciting playoffs. Right. Eagles, please, instead of the Vikings, because it's that the Vikings, they're going to get their asses kicked in the wild card round and it's going to be not worth watching or they're going to, I guess the most interesting outcome is they build a lead and they blow it in the fourth quarter. Yippee. Unlocked. The Eagles are a team that can win in January. I, I think I they think can. So. I think they can too. I can, you know, Hey, it's it, it it's a great job what Nick Sirianni's done with that offense, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in my opinion. Hey, before the year, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm Jalen Hurts has proven me wrong. There's no doubt. You know, I I didn't think he was going to be able to run to the capacity of which he's been able to run. He's he's a better runner than I gave him credit for it. There's no doubt. And the throwing, like you said, it's good enough. It's good enough. Yeah, is it is it Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? No, and it's never gonna be. But if you formulate the right offense around him, man, it's it's tough to beat him. You know, he's got a lot of things to like. I love the way he handles himself. You know, that's gonna the team's gonna love him and the fact that the coach can yell at him and do that. It's only gonna make the rest of the team better when you have that quarterback that kind of take it on the chin and just keep on going. You know, and and they're doing it the right way. I mean, the Saints. Hey, if the Saints can't stop them running the football, I don't know if anybody could. And the the Saints couldn't stop them. And I think you're right as far as I went from I don't think Jalen Hurts can be your future in Philadelphia to where I'm getting to the point where I go, oh, no, no, wait, Jalen Hurts is the future, and now you need to kind of go all in and go in all Baltimore style. You do. I mean, their offensive line's not even totally healthy, and it's it's one of the most dominant in football. You know, you add another maybe big-time receiver to the mix, another guy who could do jet sweeps. So now you got Devin Smith and Rieger and maybe one other weapon who can go this way and that way and we could throw screens to, along with Dallas Goddard. And I think you get another big-time running back, you know, in the draft or free agency. Man, they could make this happen with Jalen Hurts and have their starting quarterback for the next five or six years. I'm getting to that point where I can buy into it. Yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be 72% and surgical like Drew Brees or not, but it's going to be, hey, you're open downfield. I can launch it. Go get it. Oh, hey, nobody's open. I'll scramble, make something happen. Come back, scramble drill. I'll get it. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of you know getting to that point, Mike, where I do think he is the future there in Philadelphia. When we were talking earlier about the Eagles' rushing performance and you made the comment that they may have the best in the NFL, Pete suggested the question of whether or not it's better than the Colts. The difference is the Colts have all their eggs in Jonathan Taylor's exactly. basket. Exactly. This is a multifaceted right. approach that right. can survive an injury. Now, the Colts have Marlon Mack as an insurance policy if something happens to Jonathan Taylor. And if, if something does, they're going to look brilliant for keeping Mack around. But but it's more of a system. It it's is. not just a, a guy. Exactly. It's a system. Exactly. Filling. Yeah, no, that, that's it. It's hard to kind of, you know, pin the tail on the donkey as far as who's going to get the ball. We don't have a bell cow type of guy. I do think if they, they could use an upgrade, like a legit big-time runner, it would, would take the offense to another level. But, you, you, your, your, your point is real. You know, it can be any of really three or four guys running the football, and then it's, oh, wait, it's one-on-one? Oh, we got two guys with rockets up their butt outside. We got Rieger. We got Devin Smith. One on one, we could throw it up, make a play, do it that way. You know, they really can stretch you out and stress you again, like we talk about all the time, Mike. 
You know, it may not be the traditional way, but they make you defend the whole field in Philadelphia. They got a receiver screen game. They can run it up the middle, and Hurts can throw the ball down the field, let alone his scrambling ability. It's going to stress defenses out. You know, their defense is a little bit of a question mark, but their offense is going to make teams real uncomfortable if they get in the playoffs like we've discussed a few times here already. There's another benefit to this approach. We discussed it a few weeks ago as high-priced running backs were getting injured one after another. Yeah. If yeah, you don't have all the eggs right. in one basket, you yeah. never get yourself in a position right. where you've got one guy that you've got to break the bank for right. because it's this smattering that never becomes the the fan favorite, that never becomes the fantasy football hero. And it does drive the fantasy crowd crazy when you have that many different guys who may get the ball. But you never create that monster, and I don't mean it in a bad way, but that guy who who you have to pay politically. Yeah, right. From a business standpoint, you have to pay him like we've seen so many other teams do. It's more diluted, and you can spend less collectively for all of the guys who are part of your running game than you would spend on that one guy that if he gets injured, what do you do? So uh, there's there's wisdom to that as well from the standpoint of constructing a football team and allocating cap dollars, and that's a real part of this as well. You have to allocate the cap dollars because if you're not overspending on your running backs, it's more money you have to beef up the rest of your team. That's right. That's right. And, you know, again, yeah, you're going to make it about the run game, may continue to have depth on the offensive line, which we know is special, you know, and then, yeah, they can maybe – they can maybe you know get some pieces on the defensive side of the ball that take their you know take that unit to the next level in the off season. But I I think your point's real. You're right. You know, hey, I'd like to see another guy in the mix at running back. But you know, the the smart approach is probably what you're talking about. Don't don't look for a guy to where now we got to pay him fifteen million dollars a year after one or two good years. Let's just continue to find two, three guys that we know are really good. They all have their certain skill set within the offense that makes sense. You know, we've seen the Ravens do this. The Ravens had it the right way. Hey, you got Dobbins in the second round. Hey, zoom, he can fly. Hey, we got Gus Edwards. He can run it up the middle and crush you. You know, they had Mark Ingram involved in that at one point too. So you can definitely take that approach within this style of offensive play like we're talking about the Eagles where, again, I mean, if they get in the playoffs, I have a hard time thinking they're getting rid of Jalen Hurts and looking for an upgrade at quarterback. I think you got to go, wait, we did some good things here once we actually ran the offense that fit Jalen Hurts. And uh, I, the more and more we go throughout the year and the more evidence you gather, I think that might be the way to go for the Philadelphia Eagles. And they're going to have Indianapolis first-round pick next year, and they can use that to address other areas no of doubt. the team, although it could be a fairly low pick. Before we go, we got to show the play that – was was the so Jason Kelsey and bizarre or no the, the no the 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 interception oh wasn't that heel. crazy I know I know it was it was it was awesome and and you know it sparked a conversation and you have an idea about actually having well I'll let you explain what your idea is yeah but some of these things are just hard to see in real time if you're on the field if you're the officials and you've got an official right there looking at it. I, maybe it's not that hard to see. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend these guys when, when there's a guy right there. That's what I we can't see him, but he's right there looking at it. So how many times do we see things happen? Well, show the original angle, Pete, and you know what right I'm talking about. Pete, right there. Yeah. Right there at the line of scrimmage. He's right there. Yeah. He's looking right at it. Yeah. How do you miss that? I, I'm not going to defend them. How do you miss that? That's I, inexcusable. Thank you, Mike. Uh, that's, again, that's what I, I mean, thank God Washington scored a touchdown on this drive because if they didn't, you want to go, I mean, again, all the Jalen Hurts knew it was an interception. All the Washington players did. You see people on the sidelines, you know, but but the referee blew it dead so quickly and so matter of There's fact. There's not even hesitation. No, nope. we, we see the whistle in the mouth. It's like he didn't even look. Complete sign. I don't even know if it's his like, eyes like, ever uh, got over there. On to the next play. Right. Up, oh, he dropped it. On to the next play. Right. And and again, listen, I I just threw it out there as I was watching the game. Not like it's thought out, but I just I feel like too many of these easy to see plays are missed in football right now. I really do to like what you're talking about, to where, yeah, there's a guy right there. How does he not see that? I don't understand that. You know, I know we need sky judge like you were talking about, but maybe we need side ref or side judge too to where, you know, they can actually just watch the game. But we had one right there. I know, but, we had one but right he's there. so worried about what he's got to watch to call a penalty down the line of scrimmage, and he's looking at stuff like that. I want to – that's where – I know. I don't get it either, Mike. 
But but it but just once the balls away. All your only focus is watching. The I would hope so. In, but we see this stuff every week. The ball strikes the ground. We see it every oh, week where plays. There's fumbles where we go. How did they not think that was a fumble? Why did they blow that dead? Or and and that's where I just you know I, I get. I just I, they seem overwhelmed at points right now. That was that was a bad one. And they the NFL got lucky that they scored a touchdown there at the end of that drive. We see it every week. We talk about it every week. It's a new Wednesday tradition here on PFT Live. After further review, a look at other calls that didn't work out or that require further explanation or that otherwise landed on our radar screen. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Treat dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make dad's day with gifts up to 60% off.